0: lovely parent friends and apparently we are still friends. (laughs) I kind of giggle every time I say that it's so true but we are on episode 12 of the Parenting Teen and Tween podcast. My name is Dr. Nikki Narodin and I am presently in Nome again. I kind of like to make a lot of little rhymes with the word gnome and say things and stuff like Nikki gnome home and you know i can only live in places that have ends in the name i live in new york city i live in Nome. my name is nikki narratin i'm just a mass of alliteration but i am so glad to be here with you guys and i've been thinking about so many things um just so you know I record usually a week or two in advance just in case I'm in a low connectivity place where I can't record. So sometimes my timeframes and what I'm saying are a couple of weeks off. Um, But if there's anything really important, I'll get that to you right away. And I just wanna make sure that you feel supported and that you have consistent content from me and that I will show up And I think 99.9% of whatever we do is just about showing up, even if it's not perfect. And I'm willing to put out not completely perfect work, whatever that means, just so I can continue to share whatever I share with you. And there are some people who will gain something from everything I say because I'm thinking about this stuff so much, and I'm creating tons of little thought babies, the ideas that I have that have other ideas that come off of it. And I'm trying to direct my attention to things that will be useful in changing the world and changing the relationships that you have with your children. And then effectively changing future generations. Because I know for me that there was a lot of generational trauma that came down based on whatever happened to my ancestors. Uh, I'm of Jewish origin. There has been a lot of genocide and antisemitism that have happened throughout history. And my grandparents had to leave the country they were in because things were unsafe to come to this country. So I come from a second generation immigrant background, and I know that a lot of fear and anxiety that I feel and worry really comes from a historical place. So I always have to watch that, especially in my present moment, and make sure that my attention is not constantly pulled to that place that has come into my mind honestly, by good people. But unknowingly, I want to know my mind really well. I want to know why I'm thinking what I'm thinking. And I want to decide to think something on purpose. So I've been giving my book away to a lot of my patients and to some of the staff that works with me. And there's this wonderful woman who I work with, who is a case coordinator, and she has adopted, I think, six children. In Nome, there are quite a few children that are living in a children's home, very close to here. And she has adopted many children that she fostered that she just fell in love with. And her family gets bigger and bigger. And she's got this beautiful, great Dane and a wonderful partner. And I gave her the book and she decided that she was going to go and read the book with the kids. And basically the book which i don't know if you have all read or not it's called shut up and act dumb a parent's guide to staying close and connected to your teens and tweens is really about listening about being curious about not putting your opinions forward at every moment and allowing things to happen and so she was reading it to them and they were all saying you don't do that mommy you should do that that's the thing you should do And she was able to listen to it and take some, what I say, criticism, but rather thoughts coming from her children and change some things there where she could listen, or they could say, oh, you're doing that thing again where you're worrying, or where you're giving your opinion quickly, or where you're judging. And she was able to take that in, and it was done in this very playful, sweet way. So I thought it would be a great idea for everybody to think about reading the book out loud to their teenagers and seeing what they thought about it and seeing if they agreed with the ideas or not, and if it was something that they hoped that their parents would do and whether they could spend some time together thinking about how it is that we want our parents to parent. And then we open up the conversation about how we want our teens to be in our family, how we want them to show up, what we expect them to bring to the table. So it's not only one-sided conversations that people aren't understanding or discussing, but rather a discussion about what the family needs and wants to make things go well. And I love that idea. So there was something that my husband and I do because I'm living in Nome and he's in New York and I go back and forth. I'm there four weeks every other month. And uh, we do this five minute, five minute thing where we put on the timer and I'll listen to whatever's going on with him for five minutes without making a statement back, without judging what he's saying, without feeling like I have to defend myself. And usually, if I can, I'll be able to hear what he's saying and take it in and use what I need to use in order to make things go better for him. And usually I'm looking for the feeling statements, the ones where whatever I'm doing is making him feel bad, not what I'm doing is annoying or what I'm doing feels judgmental or that he hates it or, but, but where it reminds him of something or makes him feel something. And I can always get in touch with whatever it is that he's feeling. And I can almost see the little boy that was also feeling that way when he was young, trying to make his way through a family that was difficult for him. He's the youngest of four children. And I was thinking about that with the kids, like there's a way that you can put on the timer for five minutes and kind of listen to what they say, especially as teenagers. And then they might be able to do that for you or not. I don't know if it's really their job to do it for you, but I think if you do it for them, you kind of open up this conversation where they feel like at least they, they're being heard. And that doesn't mean that you have to do everything they want or they say, but to actually listen without giving an opinion, judging, criticizing, or deciding that something's wrong will make a huge difference. So we do this five minute, five minute thing. And it goes really well. And by the end of it, we both have said everything that we've wanted to say, and we don't feel like there's anything more to say. Sometimes if I feel like the person can't really listen, I'll say, can you repeat back the three things that you heard and then tell me what I was feeling during that time? Now, if you've got a partner that's very like hyper rational, like really rational about what they're hearing. They'll give you back what they hear, but they won't tell you the feeling related to it. And I think it's a wonderful thing to decide to tell back the feeling of what's going on because you can empathize with whatever made that feeling happen. And usually it's the feeling that comes from a young person that hadn't been listened to or felt wronged in some ways or felt vulnerable or felt unloved or felt like they weren't enough. So when you hear that you could invoke that empathy power to really be kind and compassionate to this young person, this teenager that's in your home that you wanted, that you love and want life to go better with. So that was my thought related to the book, but I had some other thoughts because I was going to talk a little bit about the difference between being a warrior and being a warrior, And the difference is really only one letter, if you're a really rational person, (laughs) thinking about what the difference is in a concrete way, you know, the letter O and the letter A. But really, the difference to me is so incredibly huge. And when I think about the word warrior with the A, I'm thinking more from a Jedi almost George Lucas Star Wars-like thing, one that's defending the, the peace and the goodness in the universe. And what a warrior means to me is that if you are in the eye of a storm, the warrior sits right in the middle and doesn't get caught up in all of the wind and the turmoil around it, but can stand strong and be laser focused and be able to discern what is going on in a situation and what needs a reaction or not but not just to be swept away by the storm and then react based on whatever's going on. Now, the circumstance, and we had talked about circumstance before, might be something that you can't change. But your decision about what you do in that circumstance is the factor that has some wiggle room. So I'm just going to start off with the word worry and what the word worry means with an O for the worrier. And it comes from the middle English word, worry in, where in, where in where when, and it means to choke or to strangle. And there are other European words that mean very similar things to bind, to squeeze, to press, to push, And that was so interesting for me to hear because I never really think of worrying as something that's pushing or binding or choking. But when I think about it based on this term, it actually chokes off any ability to think. So it's pushing, binding and choking our minds in a repetitive way. That's bringing up angst about either a situation that's happening that you can't do anything about or a future situation that you're not a hundred percent sure that's going to happen. So when I look about the word worry or worrying, it's to be troubled, to give way to mental anxiety or doubt. It's to disturb the peace of mind to afflict with mental agitation or distress. So worrying is always a negative word that somehow keeps our mind spinning in the possibilities of what could go wrong generally. Now, sometimes there's a situation that happens, but usually when we're in the situation, we're not actively worrying about it. We're trying to take charge and make that situation either go better or do what needs to happen in order to remedy the situation. So I find that worrying is much more related to the fear of something external possibly happening in the future, which we have no idea about. So I find it interesting that we focus our attention on the possible bad outcome, and maybe it's a bad outcome that happened before, Rather than the fixing of the situation in a way that a warrior might fix it with that laser Jedi interested concern curiosity and discernment so. Whenever we come from a place of worry, so, you know, again, I'm saying that the circumstances will happen. The possibility is always there or not there. And we get to show up in the way that we show up. But when we come from a place of worry, which is strangling or choking our good, thoughtful ability, then we're not actually able to make that situation better we generally will make that situation worse by not being able to think clearly, by not having a laser focus ability to react in a way that makes sense, but rather getting caught up in the storm of whatever's going on and then spinning in all the possibilities. So what I want for you all is to decide That worrying as a feeling and an emotion is never helpful to keep anybody safe or to keep anything going well, but actually will hinder or choke your ability to make things go better. Now, I know you're all going to say, or maybe not all of you, some of you might be with me, but I want you to stay with me here, that the worry actually makes things safer for you. Because if you don't worry, then you don't care. Now I've had people say that to me before because I don't actively worry about things. I don't sit around thinking that something bad is gonna happen to my son every time he gets in the car. Because if I did, I would drive myself crazy and I would drive him crazy. And when I say drive crazy, I would get so caught up in the worry that I wouldn't probably get much done. So there are lots of things to be worried about. And we focus on specific things for whatever reason. And I'm not 100% sure what the reasons are. They're probably based in whatever happened to us in the past, whatever worries our parents had, whatever we think would make things go worse in the future. But the worrying itself is the optional component of whatever happened. So something might happen in the world which you have no control over or something might happen in your life that you have no control over, but you do get to control the thought that you have about it. And then that feeling the worrying feeling is the one thing that causes the suffering of whatever happens in the world. So when you've got, the actuality of being human, which means that things will happen and that they will not always be good and we don't always want it to be good. The worrying component is actually the feeling that creates the suffering. Now we believe that somehow we have no control as to whether we worry or not. But be assured that the feeling of worrying had been installed by thoughts that has happened for either our parents or previous situations that happened in the world. So the worrying part and the thoughts related to the worrying part are the ones that are optional. It's just that we've gotten so good at worrying and so good at the thoughts that we're thinking that we think that the worrying just happens. And we almost believe that the worrying is kind of virtuous, that if we worry about our children, then we care deeply. Now, I know we can care deeply without the worrying, that we can care deeply and know that we want things to go well and figure out ways to make them go well and decide if we wanna react or not without the excess suffering of the worrying. So what I want you to do is I want you, and we've done this in previous podcast episodes, write down your thoughts every day because if you write a thought download and remember it doesn't have to be long between two and five minutes you'll see exactly what's going in your mind and why you're worrying so much because a lot of people actually don't know why they're worrying they're wondering why they're so worried because half the time they don't even know what they're worried about It was so interesting because I had a patient come in yesterday who had a mammogram who was worrying about whether she had breast cancer or not. I gave her the results of the mammogram, which were normal. And then she was relaxed for probably one second, if that much. And then she thought, well, but I have this pain here. What's causing that pain? I need to figure it out. And the next thought was, but my mother had breast cancer. When do I need to come back for another mama? So there was not one moment that she allowed herself to be relieved of the fact that she didn't have breast cancer. And so I don't really believe that even if what we're worried about is alleviated in some way that our worrying will stop, that we will figure out something else to worry about. And we'll believe in our mind that if we stopped worrying, that things would become unsafe. So you're gonna write down everything and see where your worrying comes from. And then you're gonna pick your most worrisome thought. And you're gonna decide if you wanna think that thought or not. If there's any wiggle room to think a thought that might be a little bit more neutral, and remember, I'm not talking about a positive, fairy and unicorn thought, I'm talking about a thought you might believe. Maybe the thought for that woman who walked into my office was, My doctor told me the mammogram was normal, and just continue that thought that is a true thought, and you see. Does that feeling relieve some of the worry or not? And if it relieves a little bit of it, then continue to think that thought. Now, the other thing is that you might not be able to do a thought download at the moment when you're worried. And then what you can do is you can do those positive parenting reps that I've discussed before, where you decide to focus on a sensation in your body unrelated to whatever is going on in your mind And continue to focus on that sensation for 10 to 15 seconds. So maybe you're having a worrisome thought about your teenager going out late at night or haven't come home. I want you to focus on some sensation in your body that you can focus on easily. I like to focus on my breath because when I breathe in, I could feel the rise and fall of my chest or the rise and fall of my belly, but there are so many other things to do with your breath. So I want you to close your eyes and I want you to breathe in through your nose and feel the temperature sensation difference in your nose, the coolness as it comes in, the warmth as it comes out. The other thing you can do with your breath is you can hear your own breath. So I want you to breathe in and listen to the sound of your breath and come out. And then I want you to look at the thought that's making you worried and see if it's less worrisome or not, and then continue. Now, eventually those small positive parenting reps will be something that you do almost automatically. And it will charge up that part of your brain that actually does not worry. That is not sabotaging your good feeling about whatever's going on. And then that should calm down a little bit. So the goal right now is to decrease your worry and know that the worrying is actually not helping you to become the warrior. The one that is laser focused, the one that can react calmly in a difficult, stormy situation, the one that can figure out how to move whatever you need moved forward. So you are truly safe so that your life is truly peaceful and that you can truly be calm. All right. That's what I've got for you now. Be the warrior not the worrier. And you will move things forward with your teen so much. So if you haven't subscribed, if you haven't rated rated, and left a review on the podcast, please do. Please share with everybody you know. I want to make sure that as many parents have the ability to feel supported, to move whatever they need forward, forward, to have a connected relationship with their teenager without the fighting, the screaming, and the worrying. And then go to my website, drnickinaridan.com, and buy the book and sign up for the course. The course is a wonderful three session automated quick way for you to go from conflict to connection, from hostility to harmony, to feel more connected, even if you didn't think it's possible and know that you can do it even in the short period of time that you are parent teening where you don't have a lot of time before they're launched out into the world where you can make the buck stop with you about whether you're going to pass on into generational trauma so go to drnickynerridan.com sign up for the boot camp buy the book and then i'm going to do an office hour every week so that you can ask all the questions you want all right be a warrior i love you bye